through to 12. Luke 24, 1 to 12. And it's Luke's account and version of the resurrection. Okay, I'm going to read. And as I read, like I always encourage you guys to do, um, do your best to stay engaged in the reading of God's word as best as you can. Um, I know when you're at home, there's just so much going on. But, you know, at this time, we are about to expose ourselves to God's word. And so as I read, um, try your best to focus. All right, Luke 24, Luke 24. It reads, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and on the third day rise? Verse 8, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray, God. As we've prayed throughout this week, as we've prayed during our time here, we ask that you would speak and you would not just inform us intellectually, but you would transform our lives. God, the um, concept of the resurrection is um, challenging, not only to understand, but to believe. And we're going to see this. We're going to see um, the, the difficulty and the, how challenging it can be, even, you know, w with your disciples. Um, and Father, it is. But as we're going to learn from this passage, you are the one that brings revelation, that takes your truth and brings it to life in our lives. And so we look to you this morning to give us a perspective, to give us a fresh view of the resurrection we've never seen before that will transform the way we live. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, as we read um, at the beginning of our time here together, we read that, you know, Jesus um, was crucified and he was buried. And now we arrive um, at the opening of his resurrection. And as we study this, and I'm sure you noticed this as we read through it, the opening mood um, of this scene of Easter morning is one of despair, confusion, and skepticism. But as we look closely at this well-known story, this is what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope in despair, clarity in confusion, and belief for the skeptic, right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope in despair, clarity in confusion, and belief for the skeptic. First, let's look at how Jesus was raised how Jesus was raised to give us hope in despair, all right? So, Jesus was crucified and was buried on Friday afternoon before sunset. Very early on Sunday morning, at the break of dawn, several women journey to the tomb where Jesus' body was laid, okay? And throughout our reading, we discovered that these, there was about six of them. Uh, Mary Magdalene was involved and Joanna. And so these women journey to the tomb where Jesus's body was laid. And like most of us who have experienced loss of any kind, they are in the deep waters of despair. They are living under the dark cloud of complete loss or absence of hope. And despair is the dominant emotion they're feeling as they make their way to the tomb. I'm sure many of you know what it's like to visit the grave of a loved one. You know you're not going to see them there. You know that they're, you know, dead and gone, but you go to remember them, maybe to put some flowers um, on their grave and tidy up a little. And that's kind of what these women were up to. This is what they're going to do, except they had planned to do something we don't do when we visit the grave of a loved one. They are carrying sweet-smelling spices to anoint Jesus's body. Some of you are like, what is that all about? All right, let me explain. In the ancient world, it was common practice to anoint a corpse with fragrance oils in order to neutralize the bad smells and prevent decay. Okay, and so that is why they were carrying these spices to go and anoint Jesus's corpse. But when they arrive at the tomb, they get the shock of their lives. First of all, the heavy stone that covered the entrance to the tomb was missing. It had been rolled away. 
In our modern world, people are placed in a coffin before being buried. In those days, tombs around Jerusalem were carved into cliffs and small entrance doors were sealed with large slabs of stones that could only be rolled away by several strong men. And so for the stone to be rolled away was the first hint to them that something unusual had taken place. They had seen and heard a lot of strange things ever since Jesus ever since they met Jesus and decided to follow him but now just when they thought it was all over and he was dead and gone even stranger things are beginning to happen The tomb is wide open the stone that covered the entrance to his tomb has been rolled away as surprising as this was uh, they were not prepared for what else they were about to witness strong armed into a situation they can't escape what they do is they investigate further by moving with caution towards the open womb the, the open tomb look at verse 3 it says but when they went in they did not find the body of the lord jesus all right shocking there is no corpse to embalm and this discovery obviously leaves them perplexed and confused and although they are extremely confused the missing body of jesus begins to give them a glimmer of hope earlier they arrived at the tomb completely overcome with despair but now despair is beginning to loosen its grip to hope they may be confused but they'll soon find clarity in the midst of their confusion next we're going to see that Jesus's resurrection not only give us hope in despair we'll see how his victory over death gives us clarity in confusion look at verse 4 it says while they were perplexed about this behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and so as the women stand confused and not sure of what action to take suddenly two men appear alongside them wearing clothes that are dazzling like lightning here these two strangers are identified um as men but the other gospels fill us in on the details letting us know that they are angels as you can imagine these faithful women were not expecting any of this as far as they're concerned dead dead people remained dead and so for the stone to be rolled away for Jesus's body to be missing and now angelic beings to come out of nowhere was a lot for them to process and so it makes sense for us to assume that the significance of the empty tomb is not immediately obvious to them they don't have a clue what's going on okay they haven't connected the dots and they haven't remembered the many times jesus said he would die and rise from the grave all of this is not immediately obvious to them 
But what is beyond finite human minds to comprehend requires divine revelation to explain. God provides clarity even in our confusion. And this is exactly what happens next. Let's look at verses 5 to 7. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, that is how they responded. They saw the angels um, with clothes dazzling like lightning and they respond um, by being afraid. And then they bow their faces to the ground. Um, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. In other words, what the angels are saying to them is this. What are you doing here? Okay, Jesus is not here because he's Jesus is not here. And the reason why he's not here is because he's alive. God has brought him back to life just as he promised. And so after hearing the angels bring clarity to the confusing situation they found themselves in, look at verse eight. Verse eight says this, and they remembered his words, meaning they remembered Jesus's words. The women remembered how Jesus had told them this would happen. He had told them several times, several times, I must go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the religious leaders. I will be handed over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged and crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again. What Jesus had been telling them all along is coming to fruition. The angels had provided clarity while they were unsettled by confusion. Lastly, Jesus' resurrection doesn't only give us hope in despair and clarity in confusion, it also provides belief for the skeptic. Belief. For the skeptic, look at verse 9. It says, And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. The women journey back and tell the disciples everything they had seen and heard with expectations. Um, the disciples, the remaining disciples, and you, you know, if you notice there, it says 11 and not 12. And it's 11 because Judas um, is no longer part of um, the disciples of Jesus any longer. And so um, as the women journey back to tell them, they're expecting the disciples to respond with loud cheers and excitement. But that's not the case. They are left disappointed. Why? Look at verse 11. As soon as they tell the disciples, listen to what, how they respond. It says, but these words seem to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. They did not believe them. After hearing the women share the good news of the resurrection, how do the disciples respond? They respond with skepticism. They are skeptical. They dismiss their reports as an idle tale, as utter nonsense. Okay, the whole language of idle tale um, 
used here suggests crazy talk. It's a unique term that was used to describe the weird and hysterical um, talk of the very sick. Now, their skepticism may have been because of how women were viewed in the first century. Uh, but then, back then, back then, such a story from women would be viewed with suspicion, okay? Um, this is one of the reasons why they were sceptical. Justin Taylor breaks it down for us. He says, if you were going to make a story, make up a story, but wanted to make it credible, you wouldn't choose women as the first public witnesses. Jewish women could offer testimony in domestic, family and private law, but would not function this way as public witnesses or public spokesmen. Okay, in other words, back then the testimony of women were not taken seriously at all. The fact that the Gospels describe women as discovering the empty tomb is one of many proofs um, the historical for the for the historical authenticity of the res resurrection. And so that's probably one reason why they um, dismissed the women's report. The other, which seems like the main reason for their skepticism, was because of the strangeness of the report. In Jewish understanding, the resurrection of the dead occurred not within history, but it was supposed to occur and happen at the end of time. And so the disciples are cynical, they're skeptical of everything they've just heard from these women because number one it's from women and it doesn't and number two it doesn't match up with their religious beliefs and so what this is showing us is just really interesting it's showing us that Jesus's own disciples were the very first skeptics of his resurrection Jesus' very own disciples were the very first skeptics of the resurrection. But what is encouraging from all of this is that not all of them remain skeptical. Peter, the disciple, who denied knowing Jesus, has learned from his mistakes. He now knows better than to doubt what Jesus says. He may not fully understand everything that is going on, but he has spent enough time with Jesus to be convinced that what Jesus says comes true. And so while his buddies <laughs> remain skeptical and dismiss everything the women have told them, about Jesus' resurrection, look at what Peter does in verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. After running to the tomb and seeing for himself the absence of Jesus' body, 
but the presence of his grave clothes, it says that he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter's initial reaction to the resurrection was scepticism, but after investigating it further, he begins to walk down the path that leads to belief. And so from Luke's version of Jesus' resurrection, we've seen that through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, God brought about hope in despair, clarity in confusion and belief for the sceptic. COVID-19 continues to dominate the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Even though the situation we find ourselves in seems grim with extended, stricter social distancing laws, um, today was a very nice day in the UK and all over the news, they were telling every Brit to stay home and resist the urge to go out. <laughs> You know, right now they have drones everywhere in London. And if they see a group of people clustered at a park, the drone flies above them and tells and and just tells them to get up and go. You know, there are stricter um, rules surrounding social distancing laws. And there is, you know, the rise of the death toll and the downturn of the economy. And even though our situation seems grim, okay, our leaders, our presidents, our prime ministers continue to assure us that we will overcome, we will have victory over the coronavirus. They continue to provide hope in despair, clarity where there is confusion and belief for those who are sceptical. This week, the Queen of England, okay, Elizabeth II, delivered a televised rallying message to the United Kingdom and the world. In it, she said the UK will succeed in its fight against the coronavirus pandemic. President Trump sees light at the end of the tunnel, even as he warned Americans to prepare for the toughest weeks of the outbreak. He recently told the press, this is what President Trump said, he says, Things are happening. We're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. And hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll be very proud of the job we all did. And I'm sure we all, most of you, agree with these leaders. Okay, Um, we have, okay, as a people, as a um, human race in our modern world, we have the necessary resources and technology to eventually have victory over COVID-19. The human race has achieved many great things. Traveled to the moon, created electronic devices, mastered flight, invented the internet, and the list goes on and on of humankind's great achievements. And victory 
over COVID-19 will definitely go down as one of the as one of man's greatest achievements. But even with all that we've achieved and the endless other possible great achievements, there will always be two things the human race will not be able to overcome. Let me say it again. With all the great achievements, humankind has managed to, um, um, to achieve, there will always be two things the human race will not be able to overcome. Nicholas Walterstorff, a professor at Yale University, explains this a bit more. He says, when we have overcome absence with phone calls, winglessness with airplanes, summer heat with air conditioning, when we have overcome all these and much more, then there will abide two things which which we must cope, the evil in our hearts and death. In other words, what he's saying is that man has achieved many great things, but the evil in our hearts, which is sin, and the certainty of death, are two things man has not been able to find a solution for. We've tried to cure the evil in our hearts with religion, therapy, and self-help resources without much success. We've attempted to escape and cure death without success. Evil and sin still remains in our hearts and in this world and death continues to wreak havoc. It is in the face of these realities that cause us to look beyond ourselves and look outside of ourselves for a cure for sin and death. And when we do, the path always leads to Jesus because Jesus is the only person in history who overcame death. Through his death, Jesus provides a vaccine for our sin-stained hearts and through his resurrection, he provides a cure for our great enemy, death. Yesterday, just yesterday, um, the Queen again delivered a rare Easter message. All right, as far as we know, this is the first time she has released an Easter message. Okay, and and this is what she says. She said in it, and, and you know I'm using the Queen a lot because I'm here now in the UK, and she was all over there. <laughs> she was all over the news, and so. If you like the Queen, great. If you don't, I'm sorry. But this is what she said yesterday in her rare Easter message. While celebrations are going to be different for many this year, she said, we need Easter as much as ever. She said, the discovery 
of the risen Christ on the first day, on the first Easter day, gave his followers new hope and fresh purpose. And then she goes on to say that we could all take heart from this. This is what she said. And I think she's spot on. Easter could not have come at a better time. Okay, and I know many of us are like, whoa, man, like Easter during um, COVID-19 and self-isolation and everything, like wrong timing. I really wanted to celebrate Easter with friends and families and have barbecues and um, egg hunts and at parks, all of that. But um, I think Easter could not have come at a better time. Because as the death toll rises and unemployment reaches a record high, our world needs the message of Easter more than ever. When you see what it means for Jesus to not only die for you, but actually defeat death for you, it provides you with living hope and a fresh purpose. It provides you with all of these things. One of the worst experiences of my life was waking up the morning after the funeral um, of my late grandmother. And what I was reminded in that moment was that she's gone and I'll never see her again. In our moments of agonizing grief and despair over loss, the promise of the resurrection provides much hope. The promise of the resurrection is not just that, you know, we'll be given hope and comforted for these losses. Um, The Bible says something much more glorious about the resurrection. Um, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, right? Listen to what it says. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Barry Cooper, um, who is an author, says this about this verse. He says, it means that our worst grief The things which, looking back, we regret most deeply are the very things which will make our future resurrection so glorious. And it will be so glorious that we'll happily describe our worst experiences as light and momentary by comparison. If you trust in Jesus, then not a tear in this life, will have been wasted. Every single one of them was preparing in you a greater capacity to enjoy the resurrection that is coming. Yes, everybody dies. It's a known fact. But if you trust in Jesus, the only one who has been victorious over death, then you will truly live after death and before death too. And so the question is, will you put your trust in Jesus? 
If like the women in our story, you believe you are a follower of Jesus as you celebrate Jesus' resurrection this Easter Sunday, may you be filled with gratitude, knowing that as according to what Jesus has done for you, death is not the end of this life, but it's a transition to an eternity with him. If you do not believe and you're not a Christian and you're not a follower of Jesus, will you respond like Peter and investigate further the claims of Christianity even as you doubt? Or will you remain skeptical and continue to and continue to dismiss the good news of Jesus's resurrection? as idle tales, as fake news. May you recognize Jesus for who he is. Why not recognize that Jesus who rose from the dead really is the Christ? Why not ask Jesus who died so you don't have to, to give you an an undeserved place in his eternal kingdom? Because of the resurrection, we can find hope in despair. Because of the resurrection, we can discover clarity even when we're confused. And because Jesus is alive, belief is possible even if you doubt. And because Jesus is alive, you can trust him with your own life. If you trust in him, he'll provide you with a living hope and a new life. And so, as devastating as the pandemic has been, um, there are some positives if we think about it. The true meaning of Easter is often drowned out by the many activities surrounding Easter. Okay, the egg hunts, the social events, barbecues, sporting events. And the interesting thing is, with many of these now removed, We have the needed time and space and capacity to reflect on what Easter is all about. You absolutely do have the time today to reflect deeply on what Easter is all about without the many distractions um, that normally come with the Easter weekend. What would it take for you to trust God? Would you trust him if he were to become human and then on your behalf live out the sinless life that you and I find it impossible to live? Would you trust him if he took the punishment you deserve in your place? Would you trust him if in love he gave up his life for you? Let's pray. Oh God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin, put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all of our days by this victory. Forgive our sins, banish our fears, make us bold 
to praise you and to do your will and still us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day through the same name jesus christ our lord amen <laughs>